Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace, and we've got a very special Christmas episode for you, right? Of course. Come on. You thought this podcast was going to take a hiatus, a break? Ah, not likely. We break this up into two parts. Part one, I'm sorry to say, we, we, we talk about soccer in this one. We actually run through the FC Cincinnati season, the schedule ahead in 2024, and predict every single match. We get a point total. We project where this team will finish at the end of the year. And folks, we're feeling ourselves in this one. And then in part two, we warned you about it last week. It's another edition of the film room. I'd say holiday edition, but it's not very holiday-y. The Mighty Ducks, the trilogy. Uh, Just a good conversation about the Mighty Ducks. Maybe this helps you when you're driving around to to different relatives' house, or I don't know, you need something to fall asleep to. That's what we're here for. You put these two parts together, you got yourself a postcast. Joining me to talk about all of that and more, well, I've got the usual crew with me on a very special Christmas edition of the Postcast, right? Joined by Grayson, joined by the Chief. Chief, we could have taken this week off. I ask you, why didn't we? <laughs> I don't know. We make, When you make the commitment to do off-season recording, I think it means that you make the full commitment. And I want to say out there to everyone, all 12 of you listening to this podcast, a very Merry Christmas to those who celebrate. Um, and if you don't celebrate, I hope you're having a great day, whatever it is that brings you joy in this world. Yeah, it's a good time for just well-wishing in general Yes, uh, with this one, yeah. <laughs> and and Grayson, uh, in, in keeping with the why the hell didn't we just take the, the week off uh, theme, you're joining us from Parts Unknown, uh, which I will say thank you for, for squeezing us in to your life once more here. Yeah, yeah, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a world's of, words of a, a Brett Kavanaugh, a whirlwind. Uh, (laughs) a whirlwind indeed Uh, it's also been sort of a a hectic time for uh fc cincinnati mls u.s soccer we recorded a nice long podcast about the open cup and then U.S. soccer stuck to their guns, and what I will say was kind of a surprising move. So, a shock. Um, <laughs> we, yeah, we we are going to touch on the uh, touch on. We're, we're going to go through the uh, the roster that was released this week. Um, but I did notice, and it's very possible I've overlooked this, but I I don't think I saw any overlap between FC Cincinnati's schedule and where Open Cup matches are supposed to be played. I don't know if they were doing this regardless, or if this was a last-second change, or if they had potentially two different schedules ready to go pending USSF's thoughts here. I don't know. Grayson, do you think... I don't know. Do do you think they had a contingency here or were they just kind of hoping they get away with something? I don't know. Cause what I was thinking about was uh Garber's statement when they talked about pulling out of the open cup 
where he said something on the lines of, you know, this opens X number of Wednesday match days. Right. Like, I didn't know if that meant like, maybe he said it, I just don't remember. Did that mean that that was now like those dates were now up for grabs for MLS games or it was just now they have all these days off. So they were going to keep the open cup dates just clear. Right. Anyway. Yeah, that yeah. was my, my my guess was that. So it was interesting. Part of what makes this so interesting is that when MLS made this announcement originally, I would have bet every dollar in my wallet that before they did that, they would have at least gone and talked to the U.S. Soccer Federation and had some sort of an understanding of we're going to do this or we're cool, right? And that they would have worked all this out behind the scenes. Right. So the fact that they didn't do that <laughs> and U.S. Soccer apparently, according to the reporting, was caught off guard that MLS had made this announcement and then goes forward and releases their statement about no, we're not going to let you do this. It does make me believe that they probably had two schedules floating around. Mm -hmm. And when the reaction wasn't immediately, oh, yeah, no, that's totally cool. They went with the option where, OK, we still have to do the U.S. Open Cup, which also leads me to believe potentially as well that this wasn't a serious proposal from MLS from the start. And this was sort of a let's see what we can get away with. Yeah sort of attempt to make a power play. Yeah. Don't you, I mean, you don't think that they talked about it before? Like, to if me, it feels like a scenario where it could have been just easily, like, they tried to negotiate with U.S. soccer and make various proposals, and U.S. soccer says, you know, this doesn't comply with our rules or whatever, and then MLS goes out, makes their own announcement, and essentially calls U.S. soccer to do something about it right i, right? I guess but like like what i was surprised about was more the idea that i wouldn't have expected mls to go public with a statement if they didn't have already a not full knowledge that u.s soccer was either going to a back them or b back down and the right. idea that they went and they announced it anyway it just doesn't seem like something I can't imagine the NFL doing this. It feels like whenever the NFL makes an announcement or other sports teams make an announcement, they usually have their ducks in a row ahead of time, mm -hmm. pun intended for this episode. But um, <laughs> but in this case, they just sort of said it. I'm sure they'd been talking, but the, the shock for me was that this wasn't already worked out behind the scenes before MLS went public with their announcement. So a couple, a couple things on that. One is um, I saw an interesting story about like MLS um, kind of anticipating a strong negative reaction from kind of avid fans, but apparently they had believed based on their data that like the majority of casual MLS fans were not even aware of the open cup, which I <laughs> don't believe their teams have been playing in it at, at a minimum. <laughs> I also just don't believe there's a ton of casual MLS fans. I think that the majority of the people are pretty plugged into the league. Right. You're an FC Cincinnati fan. You know that there's plenty of <laughs> casual <laughs> MLS fans. I mean, people show up and they people show up and they get into the game, but like they're they're not 
like the vast majority of people sitting around you. I mean, I don't sit in the Bailey. Okay. But so I'd say the majority of people around me are sub sicko level. Week seven, we have New York Red Bulls at home. Let's say for a moment it's sold out. How many people, I want you guys to try to put a ballpark number. How many people in the stadium think we are still playing in USL? Is it more or less than a thousand? <laughs> less than a thousand. Okay. I, I, well, I would say that the number is less than a thousand, but I also believe that when we played New York Red Bulls 2 back in the USL days, <laughs> more than a thousand people thought we were actually in MLS. That's true. <laughs> that one I absolutely believe. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but the other, the other point, I think I might have, might have lost it, but oh, um, do you think any part of this was a public negotiation move? Because, well, obviously the public negotiation move, but let me get yeah. to where maybe they were trying to take it. So there's it's well documented that U.S. Open Cup has had trouble giving away rights or getting the rights and um, for, for broadcast. Mm-hmm. And MOS used to control through some the you know marketing and and distribution for a lot of this stuff um i don't know the full ins and outs of that but i just know that they were much more influential right. in running the the tournament than they are now um we recognized that one of the big problems and probably the biggest problem is some apple executive watching the us open cup semifinal and calling up Dr. don garber or walking across the uh, club room where they're broadcasting it and screaming in his face like why the fuck is this not on our platform you know yeah um yeah so is this part of like oh they're gonna work together to improve the experience and work out some and part of that is mls taking back some more control over it and maybe working out a way to make at least part of the open cup under the apple broadcasts deal i I think that's an incredibly astute observation on that because if you read a little bit about apple specifically um what caused apple to back out of the negotiations from the premier league the last go around was that apple's position publicly is that we are not interested in bidding on rights to sports unless we control rights for everything relating to it. Right. We don't want to have um, territorial agreements. We don't want there to be restrictions about you can watch in this country, but you can't watch in other countries. When we buy it, we want to buy everything. Um, the only deal they have that isn't like that is baseball. And baseball was literally just a proof of concept to see if yeah. they could actually do sports. But when they bought MLS, the sticking point was there are no games that are just on terrestrial uh, television or linear television or the legacy cable. And yeah, I honestly do believe that it probably pissed Apple off when they found out oh, there are games that your teams play that aren't on our platform. We paid for every MLS team's games. Why are there games we don't get? And I I genuinely believe this, that it probably came to a head when Miami played Cincinnati 
mm-hmm. on a network that wasn't Apple. And they were they looked at that and said, I thought we bought all the games. And I thought that we would have the ability when we were a part of the deal to bring this dude over to America, that we would have all his games. And now people are going elsewhere to watch this product. And that doesn't work for us, dog. I just think that Apple could have bought the open cup rights for virtually nothing if they wanted it. Like USSF was desperately trying to find a broadcast partner right up until the games were being played, basically. Like, sure, um, HBO and I think Bleacher Report or whatever, they're combining all their stuff under Turner maybe, um, had bought all of USSF's rights to men's and women's games uh, and then therefore the Open Cup. But it was everybody's understanding that HBO was trying to essentially sublet the Open Cup rights. And yeah, it feels like it could have had all of the Open Cup for a million bucks. And I mean... At that point, how much more was just getting the USL rights as well? Maybe MLS doesn't want that, but Apple for virtually nothing could have been the home of all domestic soccer. And but, but it's, it's, it's not more, that. But it's more complex than that because it's not just like if you buy the rights to the Open Cup, you're also buying a headache when it comes to production of all sure. these games as well. So I think Apple would be very interested in owning the rights to all MLS teams playing in the Open Cup. But I can't see Apple being mm-hmm. interested in owning the rights to a match between, you know, Stockade FC and Bug Eaters FC in some mid-level round. That's the problem here, I think, with the Open Cup in general, is I think that the Open Cup rights are selectively valuable. Open Cup rights for MLS teams are valuable. Open Cup rights as of right now for teams where they don't have professional production facilities, they don't have camera facilities, and you're basically paying to shoot in a glorified high school stadium, that's a headache. And so that's what made these rights for the US Open Cup so non-valuable, is they're great for some of the games, but if you have to produce all of the games, and if the rights come with an agreement that you have to provide television coverage of everything, that's a headache Apple doesn't want. Or a perfect chance for an advertisement for shot on iPhone, one of their favorite things. So they could have literally had broadcasts on iPhone as the selling point. But yeah, sorry, go ahead, Grayson. I mean, that's actually that's actually not a bad idea, to be honest. Like that's a that's thing that you could make some of these lower level games maybe appealing to the Apple platform. Say like, look what we can do by shooting on the iPhone. But um you got to also remember when these rights were subleased, right? It was really early in the season. They're just getting the Apple deal off the ground. Um, Not all the players that came into the league were in the league at that time. Like those deals weren't done. Um, There probably was, I would, I would wager 99% certainly not a single person thought at the end of this year, we're going to really be really upset that we didn't carry the right. most exciting game involving MLS teams uh, <laughs> in 2023. Like, right. like nobody, I guarantee you, they didn't think we're going to really be unhappy that we didn't have the U S open cup semifinal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. And not only that too, but 
Um, the other problem with this idea of a shot on iPhone is that you know all these soccer hardos at NPSL and NISA teams. They're all Android users. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you get the ProRel movement over to Apple. Now we're cooking with something. <laughs> ProRel, but now with blue bubbles. Um, I would I would encourage people. Well, not all people. Let's <laughs> say not y'all people uh, to watch the film. To watch the film Tangerine, which shows you what you can do by shooting. Um, while shooting solely on iPhones. Yeah, I think uh, every Apple commercial in the last five, six years has been shot on iPhone and, you know, edited on a much <laughs> more sophisticated piece of equipment and various lenses attached well, to that yeah, iPhone. You know, but... it's, it's shot on an iPhone with like a very professional rig attached <laughs> right, to it, which right. the base is still an iPhone. I get it's that. It's fine. It's yeah, fine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the uh, The $1,500 iPhone pro max extreme ultra yeah sure um so yeah no we'll we'll see how this plays out i uh i you know it's clear that uh ussf did not get that warning or i'd like to think that it was just don garber talking to himself because i i believe he sits on the board of u.s soccer so at least one board member knew what was about to happen um it's an interesting it's an interesting point just for this and that's that for years USSF, the U.S. Soccer Federation, has been accused of being a mouthpiece for MLS. Mm-hmm. And forever, mm-hmm. there was that marriage between Soccer United Marketing and the U.S. Soccer Federation. Yeah. Watch this space mm-hmm. a little bit, because this is, at least in my time following MLS and like really being aware. So the last decade, I'll give myself credit for this is the most public most public spat we've seen between U.S. soccer and MLS, and it might just be this, or this might be the start of an interesting trend of the Federation and MLS's interests not being entirely aligned with how things are going. So this is this is a very interesting development from that regard. And that this was a very, very public rebuke of MLS by U.S. soccer. Yeah, I think it was really clever the way U.S. soccer treated MLS's announcement as a proposal. So MLS did not present this as a proposal. They presented this as a we are not participating and our reserve teams will be participating. And U.S. soccer said, we've denied your request. (laughs) So now now MLS is in a funny spot where they kind of have to just take it and be like, yeah, well, you know, we gave it a shot or now now the now the lawyers get involved. Right. So pretty pretty think, smart move <laughs> do you think there's any part of this that is influenced or was influenced by how incredibly negative and immediate the backlash was from like all parts of soccer media i think that played a role and i think the biggest thing is yes the fans are upset because the the hardcore fans that are most likely to be engaged online were of course the ones going to be upset that's fine where i think mls miscalculated is mls and we've complained about it on this podcast for, I can say literally now years, um, is that the media landscape is not entirely owned and subservient to MLS. MLS is not its own largest media outlet. And especially with the way their broadcast rights are set up, 
ESPN isn't necessarily in a position to protect MLS. Fox isn't necessarily in a position to protect MLS. And The Athletic has been plenty, you know, aggressive in not aggressive, but they've been plenty negative of MLS when they've needed to or when they wanted to. And all of a sudden, ESPN, uh, the Washington Post, the Athletic, uh, the New York Times, you start getting dunked on by everyone. And the only people coming to your defense are Alexi Lawless and the people who you're paying. Not a great look. So another another thing that I and this is maybe the Modell law aspect to it is um so nine point six seven yeah folks may be (laughs) aware or may not be aware but um fifa gives us soccer us soccer aside from running um you know the men's and women's national teams the youth national teams and the uh, us open cup is also designated by fifa as the organization with authority to set forth professional league standards in the United States. Yep. Um, and generally to be a division one league, you have to comply with standards set forth by us soccer federation. Um, one of those standards is that, um, uh, first division teams have to participate in the national competition, um, national cup competition, which, which is the U S open cup. So there was a potential, and in fact, the the professional leagues, the U.S. Open Cup rules, also set forth by U.S. Soccer, um, they prohibit. They don't just say like you can't send your second division team or third division team in your place. Right. They say that no team that is majority owned by any other team can participate. So that doesn't make it contingent on the owner team's participation. It's, it's that, that like MLS next pro teams were barred from participating in us soccer in us open cup, regardless of whether MLS teams first teams participated or not. Right. Um, But the other, the other piece to that is, um, there's a um uh, grace is filming a, this uh, on his phone and it's apparently ringing right now <laughs> yeah, I'm, gonna get, I'm gonna get fucking 65 text messages because i'm on a group text now <laughs> nice uh, I'm, I'm gonna mute this while i talk um yeah focus mode come uh, on this is another so, advertisement for apple so so they have to come MLS to maintain D one status is technically required to comply with U S soccer's professional league standards. Yes. Um, you know, from a practical standpoint, does MLS probably have the ability to mold those standards to some extent? Yes. Um, would there be some legal fight if U S soccer tried to pull the, um, the designation division one designation, probably, and who knows how that type of thing would, would shake out. But the other piece of it hmm. is that the ability of U.S. soccer and by extension FIFA to control professional league standards and do things like prevent league Liga MS teams from hosting competitive league matches in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, that's in litigation right now. 
Yeah. And U.S. soccer lost that in the federal court of appeals. And there's a petition at the United States Supreme Court um, to to hear that case. But if they don't hear it or if they uphold the federal court of appeals, um, MLS might suddenly have a lot of competition because you could see Liga MX teams, you could see La Liga teams uh, hosting uh, competitive matches in the United States, mm-hmm. just like you know the NFL hosts matches in foreign countries. Champions and, League matches, um, absolutely. And I'm not sure MLS would love that. No. So MLS might not be in a position right now to question the ability of U.S. soccer to <laughs> control uh, professional league standards in the United States. Like well, to really to, to take that head on the way that they right. would have to if their if their status was 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 struck. Well, what would happen, I assume, is MLS would become a party to the NASL's ongoing lawsuit i don't i don't know i'm no lawyer i don't know how you do that but they had the exact same complaint when ussf pulled their division two uh license and they dropped them down to division three primarily because the nasl no longer had teams in three time zones which was a requirement to be a division two league and uh yeah nasl's argument was that these these standards are being enforced haphazardly and uneven why do we have to be punished when there's clearly no real enforcement oh by the way they're also a monopoly and i don't even think that they can enforce this on us yeah mls would have found some pretty interesting bedfellows in that case so so yeah as much as i want to think that fan up uproar um caused them to change course or you know whatever um there's always stuff lurking in the background yeah especially with yeah. the way that just soccer politics works and to a large extent mls depends greatly on a good relationship with u.s soccer because u.s soccer backs them in a lot of very weird things that MLS does. Like mm-hmm. MLS is specifically exempted from pro rel. U.S. soccer allows that to continue. You get the wrong person elected as head of pro re- of uh, U.S. soccer. Eric Winalda, when he was running for president of U.S. soccer, was proposing blowing the entire relationship up. Um, and the other thing, too, is that, yeah, the, the bigger issue of I mean, you saw what happened over in Europe, where now there's court rulings that are going to pave the way for the Super League to reemerge from the ashes. There's a lot of legal wrangling and technicalities and, and the relationship between all these parties. There's always more than you know going on behind the scenes with a lot of this stuff, which is why it was surprising to me, all told, that MLS went public and brought this fight public if they didn't already know mm. they were going to win the fight. Yeah, I think we all agree, though, that this fight, I don't think, is some altruistic battle MLS is fighting for better playing conditions and nicer broadcast angles. Like, if that was the argument, they'd be saying that out loud, right? Because they haven't explicitly said any of that. That's everybody else's argument. What we we said last week still stands. They want to... They want to control the market like every other professional sport does in North America. The NFL controls professional football. Major League Baseball controls the entirety of the sport. The NHL controls the entirety of the sport. They want to emulate those business models. Yeah, that is true. MLS sees it more like the NFL than it sees itself like any other soccer league you could name. Mm -hmm. So, uh, So there we are. Well... 
There's your Open Cup update. Uh, we did have a schedule release, which we are going to run through. But before we do that, we do need to highlight for just one moment how great the schedule release itself actually was. Look, here at The Post, we've often told you that we are the one and only tastemakers in this fan base. Everybody looks up to us. They they look to us for... They shouldn't, you know, but, you know, they do sometimes. <laughs> I, I am being facetious, of course. No, there was a couple of things that I think we could we can comfortably take credit for. Uh, I will echo uh, Jonah's complaint, though. Opie absolutely should have been on that wanted poster and not Sir Minty from Charlotte. That, that would have set it over the edge. But I understand there are limits to what can be done here. <laughs> yeah, I feel like even acknowledging the existence of Opie, it's kind of like the government when they won't they will neither confirm nor deny the existence of certain projects. I feel like even confirming the existence of Opie is a bridge too far for FC Cincinnati. We need to uh, FOIA the uh, the the OP bands. I think those documents exist somewhere. Um, yeah, so tons of uh, very very good uh, Easter eggs. Really appreciated, Chief. I, I'm giving you credit here for the Ohio Revised Code of Modell's Law mm -hmm. hanging next to the Columbus Crew. <laughs> uh, that was pretty good. Uh, the uh, clip of Pat Noonan. This is not a rivalry. Uh, playing Nashville. I think we can claim that one. Or that I think, might. Have... I think we. I think we, we affected the question being. I think we influenced the question being asked. I, I'll take that. I'll take yeah. that. <laughs> In the, the extended cut of the uh, of the commercial, Joseph Mamey's lines on Ian Murphy, his actual <laughs> Instagram post, I think, is sitting on a desk. There was there was so much. There's tweet. Yeah, yeah. There was so much to love about this this thing. It was it was one of those things where it rewarded slowing it down and watching it multiple times. And I just it just yeah. hats off to how creative. And I can only imagine how much fun that was to put together. I know that like it's somebody's job and that's work, but there was love that was put together in a lot of the stuff that was up there. Yeah, and it was it was good a good move making the high res photo of the board available. Yes, the QR code was worth it. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't know if that didn't. I don't know if that worked if you didn't have Apple Music, but. If you did, oh, no, but let's not let's not spoil it. No, it was very funny. So hopefully that works for other people. But um, job well done to the content team. That was yes. mm -hmm. I saw somebody online at the audacity to say that they thought like last year's version better. The Game of Thrones thing. This was exponentially more creative than that. Just oh, this yeah. was the kind of thing it rewards you for being a fan of this team and kind of having an idea of where Absolutely. all the fun sun storylines are. The pan over a chart explaining how artificial turf works and it goes right up to Atlanta. <laughs> right. It's just, it's just the chef's two, kiss. Two baseball field dimensions for the New York teams. <laughs> yeah. Just gold. Like everything. Oh, the, the road flare with an exit, with a uh, placard, yes. like an evidence placard right next to it, right by LA on the heels of the 3252 getting banned for using them. Just so good. But so much fun shit was in this, this, this thing. Two very clever uses of memes. I uh, really love the uh, stunt on them hose for uh, Chris Albright. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm just really not in a really good state right now. Minnesota? <laughs> that really got me. <laughs> the, uh, the, 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 subtle, the subtle dig at St. Louis FC for copying their hashtag, which I thought was also very well done. <laughs> yes, mm -hmm. yes. The, the formal complaint of, of them copying. Oh, so good. Uh, 
The only complaint I ever have about those is that I want the easy to read schedule immediately replied to as the thing because like it's great and it's fun but i it is useless as a you know determining how the schedule is actually laid out um that's always my i don't know my cranky old man take on that this is nice now where's where's the actual schedule now thank you um i have it i finally have they they did update it eventually the uh the printable version and gentlemen i think we should do what we did last year and run through this bad boy and we predict all of the games. Uh, is there anything else we want to get to before we start let's, on this journey? Let's do it. No, I think we're going to dig into I'm assuming Grayson said something really brilliant right there. He turned into a robot and uh, I didn't catch it. So <laughs> we'll see. Edit that out. Yeah, no, that'll be good. Um, so let's jump into this then. Uh, we are going to, for the purposes of this, we are going to ignore anything that isn't the MLS regular season. So yes, CCL is going on. Yes, Leagues Cup will be happening. Um but we don't care about this. We're going to go through the regular season schedule, starting off with February 25th, three days after we open the season in Jamaica. It's Toronto FC coming home. Anybody going to say no. this is not a win? <laughs> I, I win. Yeah. Yeah. Win. With all uh, these early games, I want to offer this caveat, though, that I, I do have a slight concern early in the year that this roster will not be complete on match day one and that they will have to wait until the end of the European calendar uh, to find some players that are coming off contract and on a free. And this team might be in a work in progress for a couple of months. Yeah, I understand that. And I also understand uh, schedule congestion with CCL early. However, I'm going to mostly ignore those things and just say it's a home <laughs> opener against Toronto. That's a win. Yeah. Do we have any concerns that Toronto is being a Canadian team may have the advantage in a February 25th match day environment? <laughs> no, I, uh, I do appreciate uh, it does seem that the league tried to put some of these early games or the expected cold weather games during the day. So I think this is a very different game at 730 versus I believe it is scheduled at two o'clock. I don't have the times in front of me here. So, OK, so like, are we going to predict scores for these games or just win? No, way? let's do no, it. No, let's time. do Oh, we don't have time. Okay, we're not we're not doing scores. <laughs> we, have, we have 34 games to get through. <laughs> and we've almost gotten through one. I will add scores later when I post this on, on the website. Uh, I will say, starting off the season, watch us go winless. Three easy ones to start us off with. Chicago away. Speaking of cold games. Uh, I'm going to say draw on this one. Ooh, draw. Vote, for, vote for a draw. I will go with a draw. Uh, then we come back DC at home. I'm going dub. I've got no reason to think we won't win that. Yeah, they have a new. They'll have a new coach. Yeah. Um, and the coach will not have. They've like signed players without the coach even being in place. <laughs> Always so, a good move. Yeah, great. So, this yeah. is awesome. Another dub. home game win. Another yeah. win. <laughs> Perfect. So. All right, so what date is that? That's we're up to March 10th right now. That All is right, March so, 10th. 
for any of these three first matches, do we think we're going to get orange ball soccer? Mm, Chicago March 2nd feels orange ball. Maybe. Maybe. It's at four o'clock. So a, a hint later than the two o'clock one. You get some lake effect snow or, or some some winter wintry little wintry, little wintry mix i love the little wintry mix wintry mix is great dj wintry mix <laughs> there's there's sleet and candy canes outside folks uh new england revolution away i got that as a loss caleb we never, porter we've had we have yeah. had a we've had a very tough time playing the revs i don't think have we ever beaten have we beaten the revs since season one Maybe. I don't know. It feels like that. I'm going to say it. no. Yeah, that feels like so. a confident one. Yeah. No. So I'm going to say that that doesn't change here. I got that as a loss right there. We didn't beat them either time last year. I think we drew them twice. No, we drew them both times. Damn. There it is. They beat us in the Open Cup the year before. Uh, NYCFC at home. Finally, a, a at least on paper, a tough opponent. Do we think they're going to be tough this year? I don't they think were they're very, going to be tough. That's another they dub. Were very, they were very disappointing last year. I got that as a dub, too. And Done. they hate their coach. They do hate their coach. We'll see if he's still around come March 23rd. They lose the first four games in a row. He might be gone. Well, now, hold on. Wait a minute. Are we factoring in for these first two games or these first three games that isn't Matt Miazga suspended for the first three of these games? I still like us yeah, versus Miles Toronto. Yeah, Miles Robinson will be great, and Toronto and Chicago, it'll be fine. We've been we Toronto get, can, with worst. Can we get some video? Can we can we get some video footage of Matt Miazga in anger management? Can they make like content out of this <laughs> so that he can, you know, maybe like do some live sessions with some therapy, maybe some Rorschach tests he can look at. Do one of also, those My Myers Briggs personality tests, and then <laughs> submit not, all that to the league. We might not be uh, absent. Miazga. That's a good point. He could he go has, through he, the he class. Could petition. Yeah. yeah. He could petition. For, plus, he only has two games he's missing, right? Mm -hmm. I thought it was four. Wasn't it a four game? Four game? No. Because he's already done three. He's already done two. One for the yellow card accumulation and one for the, the crew game was his suspension. Right. So he's just got two. Okay. Yeah. He's got, yeah. It was given to him as three. He served one of them. It would have been MLS Cup for the other. Uh, it's possible we got him back for, for both of those early games. Maybe just one. See if they walk it back one. Um, They've already reinstated Bruce Arena, so. <laughs> right. For we, what? We, we'll never know. <laughs> well, I mean, it, 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 they can reinstate him as soon as they sign the CBA with the officials in January. Then all this stuff becomes moot at that point. God, so right, true. exactly. Um, free content idea for the FCC uh, social media team is called trigger Miazga and Miazga just has to sit across from a table with other teammates and they just say mean shit to him to see if they can get a reaction. Colorado Supreme court. <laughs> Fuming. <laughs> Charlotte away. That weird bouncy pitch that not doesn't even produce good NFL uh products these days did you see the footage of the uh the panthers game this week with like 50 people in the stands dude the uh oh yeah yeah seat geek or whatever they were selling tickets for a buck 50 49 cents get in price yeah <laughs> it's a nice stadium uh, like i'm it's sure it's fine, fine. see away i got Draw? that as a dub dub, Ooh. Oh, dub? i got I that as a dub 
I'll take a dub. I'm never going to argue against a win. It's a dub. New York Red Bulls at home. Oh. What did we what did we what did we dub this rivalry? What is this called? The uh Blood Sport? The Blood Sport. Blood The Blood Feud. The Blood Feud. The Blood Feud. I used to do, tr- <laughs> used to do trivia at the uh, Oakley Pub back in the day and there was a team that showed up every week called the Blood Farts and I always thought that was <laughs> Both intimidating and just kind of gross to hear people say. Not a bad name for this rivalry either. <laughs> the, um, blood, the blood fart. <laughs> I'm going to say draw just because like this game will be awful, right? It'll end one to one and both teams will be mad about it. Yeah. I could see uh, a loss. I could see a loss here. I feel like that there's a karma there's a karma loss that we're due to New York at some point here in the very near future. Whoa, for, hang on. For we dumped them out of the open cup. We dumped them out of the playoffs. Eventually the bill comes due on stuff like that. They can knock us out of League's Cup. That's fine. That'll work. They beat us. They already, they already got our karma loss. They beat us the night we celebrated the shield and kept us yeah. from getting a, a record. Yeah, that was pretty okay, that's true. That's a win then. <laughs> oh, that's Fair a win? Enough. All right. All right. We're, I'm going back to the right. win column. Dead. CF Montreal away. This Lots. is the match, incidentally, I'm proposing that we do episode two of Away Days at, by the way. Mm. Montreal is beautiful Maybe. in April. I might be already booked for a vacation that let me give it. Oh, you, you scumbag. <laughs> what are you doing? Gotta, You're tearing this podcast apart. I got to double check. <laughs> um, uh, this is three wins in a row, by the way, for us. Are we due draw, for a, a draw, draw on the draw. road? Yeah, I think it's a road draw, road okay. point there. All right, road draw. Road draw, Atlanta away, following it up, the home of U.S. <laughs> soccer, as we all know. I think Atlanta is going to be in a tough state next year, especially if they don't hang on to Almada. Um, so I am thinking a dub. Yeah, I'm thinking a dub too. Atlanta, Atlanta is weird. Like Atlanta has now become like one of those teams where the reputation far exceeds what the actual product is on the field right now. Like I don't yes. think it's I don't think it's the Atlanta that you think of when you think of Atlanta United right now. Atlanta and NYCFC both occupy that spot for me. Like they should be much better than they they have been for a while. Right. Colorado at home. That's a win. Is there any reason to talk about this? No. Okay. The only reason to talk about it is that I wish we were actually going to Colorado. That would be a fun trip to take as well. That would be a fun away day. That would be nice. Uh, Speaking of fun away days, crew away. No, 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 no. no, Negative, (laughs) negative. You skipped one. We have Orlando City on May 4th. Oh, Tim. And that's a loss. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to lose that one. Okay. Orlando away, a loss. Are we losing back-to-back here? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Crew away. It's a tough road stretch. It's a loss. Uh, but we get Atlanta back home to Quick. ease. Quick turnaround. Yeah. It's, dub. A, it's a dub. It's another dub. Dub. We own them. Set the uh, ship right. St. Louis at home. That's a dub. Uh, what's what's the date of this game? May that 18th. One is May oh, that's 18th. a dub. That's a dub, and it's going <laughs> to be what? What's the thought process here? Hang on. Just How did May 18th we, influence that? They 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 clown <laughs> they clowned us, and like we, I firmly believe that there are any number of people on this team. Roman Celentano will not let this team forget what happened last year, and receipts are due. Um, I'm just I'm going to start getting wary when we get into June. Oh, yeah, okay. when does the, the Cole Robinson won't be available? 
Yeah, when does the when do all the when do the tournaments start? When does the Copa start? So there's going to be a gap between May 29th, that's the Nashua game on this list, and then San Jose June 15th. That San Jose game away is probably the first time we're missing national team Copa America call ups. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So just we'll keep going. Just keep that in mind. Okay. Yeah, St. Louis, St. Louis it's a dub. Toronto away. Get they, right. Another dub. Could they be tougher mm-hmm. then? Okay. Wow. We got some high expectations here. Nashville. I think this team's going to be all business this year. I like it. I like it. Uh, Nashville, May 29th. Again, this is probably the last good Homer game. Uh, this is at home. Dub. 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 Man, this is so much more fun than the Stom era. I just, I like, I just like to keep reiterating that. <laughs> June fifteenth, San Jose Earthquakes on the road. As I said, probably missing at least one, maybe multiple players. Going, at least one. <laughs> I'm, I'm banking on Miles Robinson not being available. He hasn't even signed. So there we yeah, go. <laughs> feels like a draw. <laughs> Grayson went robot. <laughs> Damn. Draw. Draw. Okay. Works for me. Also, I'll throw my vote for San Jose as a decent away day, but I could be convinced for any of these. Uh, I've never been to to San Jose before. I wouldn't hate that. Same. Uh, And their stadium is almost literally in the airport, so it should be pretty easy to get to. (laughs) Like, they literally can't build on one of the four sides because the fence to the airport is there. You have to go through TSA to get in the stadium because that would be electric. I could use God. my uh, pre-check and clear. Skip the line. They should have built TQL Stadium into Union Terminal. Uh, Philadelphia at home, June 19th. We are hopefully facing off against a devastated Philadelphia Union team. Just every one I mean, of their players. A, this is a Philly Union team. They could be... They're. Could be missing Kai Wagner. They could be missing Alejandro Bedoya next year. Like this. Jose Martinez will be at Copa America, right? Yeah. Yeah. So but, I'm thinking not worse than a draw. It's hard to know without knowing who we're signing as to exactly how devastated these rosters are going to be during this process for FC Cincinnati. I'm going to say that we beat Philly, and I think Philly is in for a rough couple of years. I think Ernst Tanner running the show solo is very different than Ernst Tanner running the show with McCarthy and Albright helping. And there is some there's some discord between him and Curtin. Yeah. As we've seen, like, Curtin has spoken publicly about how Tanner has handled the relationship with, like, Bedoya yeah. and Wagner. Um so yeah, I'll go. We can go dub here. It's home game. I like it. New England Revolution at home. Draw. 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 <laughs> Caleb Porter gets us again. That's it. Does he shush the crowd? <laughs> I feel like it's his move. He has to do it right now. He. It would mm-hmm. be funny, especially after a draw. <laughs> I would. I would respect. He that. shushes after draws all every time. <laughs> that's true. He that's, true. that's how he. That's how he rolls. Damn! If they win, I, what the hell is he going to do to us? <laughs> and I think they were both draws that kept his team out of the playoffs by the end of the. <laughs> they were. <laughs> <laughs> uh, FC Dallas, Frisco, Texas. June 29th away. Honestly, if it wasn't June 29th, it wouldn't be a, a terrible 
away thought. Although is the, I really is don't the want U.S. To... Soccer Hall of Fame in Frisco still? It is. It's built into the stadium there. Like, where where is Frisco? How far is it? Like, really far outside of Dallas? Imagine if we just said Dayton was a suburb of Cincinnati. <laughs> that's a shitty away day. Then no, I'm not yeah. into that. Yeah, that's too far away. Um, Dallas. Dallas is sneaky good. Like Dallas is. Won't Ferreira be at Copa America? Probably. I don't know. Is he an A team? Yeah, he's Berhalter's guy. He went to the World Cup. I was just thinking, does he get a move to Europe though, and maybe loses his spot? It's even better. Yeah, he's either either way. He's not there. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> I was thinking US USMNT for a second. No, yeah, no, yeah, he no. would not be on the team if he's in Europe. I'm giving us a draw. Yeah, who, draw, who disagrees? Draw. Road yeah. point feels right there. Okay, DC away. They should smash them. Yes, they should be terrible. Dub. Yeah, dub. I think DC's their early favorites for wooden spoon contenders. Uh, that leaves us with Inter Miami, who again should not have certain players due to the Copa America. Although if something were to go horribly wrong, I think we're far enough into the tournament. Those people may be available. It is inner Miami at home. Dub. Knowing that dub. they're probably not going to be around. Dub. Yeah. Works for me. Then Charlotte at home. Dub. They're winning, all, they're winning all three of these home games in this little home stretch in July. And I think. Chicago at home again, July 17th. Dub. Dub. Then we get New York Red Bulls July 20th, the last match before League's Cup. That feels like a loss. Yeah. Yep. Loss. We're going to go loss. into League's Cup with a bad taste in our mouth. Last year, we went mm-hmm. in after that big win in Nashville, and we thought this was the best soccer team ever assembled on North American soil. I feel like there's going to be a bad loss in that New York game, and we're going to be asking some questions. Does anybody know if New York Red Bulls a seeded team for the League's Cup? Because Uh, a group with them... Okay, good. If we end up in a group with them, I might just quit. (laughs) It might be over at that point. Oh, wait, no, they're actually... No, they're not going to be a seeded team. Oh, Christ. That's on the table, isn't it? Yeah. Because they were ninth in the... Yeah. In the east, right? Yeah, they're not going to be seated. So, a group with uh, FC Juarez and New York Red Bulls. Look forward to that, folks. That'll yeah, be great. fun. Neat. <laughs> Miami away. This we is af- sh- this would be this- after a nearly. This is this sucks. This like is you go stupid. from July, like they you will go from July seventeenth to August thirty first between home games for FC Cincinnati because we have road games bookending either side of this month-long break for the League's Cup. this just I hate this schedule, the way they do this. I'll give us a draw. I, they should just run the League's Cup during Copa America. Yes. yes. Obviously. But whatever. Um, I do a Miami away after League's Cup. A good draw. We could be sitting on, yeah, like a two-week break between games there uh i will say unless they change the format of leagues cup which i mean kind of assume that'll happen fcc according to the rules of 2023 will host every single game they play in by virtue of being the supporter shield winners in 23 unless they don't win unless they don't win the group because you can Uh, if you because the round of 32 was hosted by group winners and then you reverted back 
you reverted back to supporter shield standings after that. Gotcha. There could be one game they don't host. And of course there could be rule changes, right? Like Mexican teams could be offered the ability to host or, or what have you. Yeah, of course. Um, it doesn't sound like they're, yeah, to go. No, I was going to say, I, I do hope they give Mexican teams the opportunity to host. I think it would be more fun if they actually had some real balance to this schedule. Especially if you're taking a fucking month off, you can travel for these games. Like, that's right. There's no point to having this much time off if you're not going to actually do some of that. Loss? Like, back to back, like, loss coming out? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'd give us a draw. Give us a draw. I that'll be Miami, that'll be Miami. That'll be Miami full full strength at that point, right? All right. I say loss. I say it's a loss. Oh, loss is bookending League's Cup. Thank God we're gonna win it. Am I right? Cool. Uh, CF Montreal comes to town August thirty first. That's win. a dub. That's a dub. Yeah, they're terrible. Like they're genuinely a terribly run organization. Uh, following that, again, another two-week break there. September 14th, Columbus Crew comes to town. It's going to be a loss. I think Crew may win Supporter Shield this year. <sighs> That's fine. We're not trying. <laughs> no, we, we're not. But can, All right, we can, mark it, we can mark it as a loss. That's a loss. Minnesota away. Again, half-decent away day trip. Is that a, is that a weekend? that hired a... Other team that like has been signing players with no coach. <laughs> that's a win. September eighteenth. Yeah, so, that's, that's, that's a that's a Wednesday game. That's a no go on away day. That's a dub. Uh, yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. Right. Uh, Nashville away. Following that, just a couple of days later. Draw. Dub. They're annoying dub. to play. Got to vote for a dub. Dub. They may. They, I, may, they may not even have Mukhtar. I think he. I saw some rumors linking him to Germany. Yeah, it would we, make sense. Like, new, like you said, the same way Wilfred Nancy has Noonan's number, Noonan has Nashville's number. Noonan knows how to play that team, I think. That's true. Uh, so dumb. I will say, assuming Nashville is, you know, their usual selves this coming season, the season ends with Nashville, LAFC, New York City FC, Orlando, Philly. That could be, again, I'm giving New York City more credit than they deserve. That could be a real murderer's row to try to end this season mm-hmm. here. Yeah, especially uh, with five of the set, five of the last seven on the road, too, which is brutal. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. Jesus. Uh, LAFC at home, September 28th. The penultimate home game. I think we, I think we win that. Yeah, I think we win that, too. I think they I have to come, them coming east, I, I like our chances in that. I'm going to give us a dub in that one. I like it. New York City FC away, playing in probably one of two baseball stadiums. Draw? Loss? I can go either way. I don't think it's a not win, a though. loss for me. It's not a loss for me. I don't think they're going to be good. I think that like yeah, it's I don't a, think so. I think I think a win. I think we win that game. Oh shit! Right. Okay, <laughs> throw a win it. in there. Uh, Orlando at home. This could be a real doozy. These last two could really decide. Some some playoff spots, some home hosting rights. Draw? Loss? Ooh, I'll go loss. It's been a while since we've lost. Well, home loss, especially too. We're gonna draw, we're gonna pick up some home losses this year, I think. Yeah. You'd expect it with some squad rotation. And that means we end the season in Chester, Pennsylvania against the Philadelphia Union, October 19th. 
Good okay, Lord. how many points are we sitting on? Do you know? Great question. I can total that up real fast. We are at 52 points, so probably Jesus. not in shield contention. No, we're barely we're we're, ri- we're we're riding the line for hosting a playoff game with that record. Dub. Dub. Boom. 53 points plus the... No, you said 55, right? Because you said we had 52, so that would be 55 if we won oh, the Hang on, hang on, guys, guys, guys. I wasn't selecting all of the cells. <laughs> I just saw... That's 71. Folks were right in the no, shield hunt. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, God, no, this... The, we so we lose, we lose to Philly. It's a rough way to end the season. That puts us at 68, which again... Still in the shield under 68 points. Yeah. I, oh my that, god. That sounds that sounds better. But back to back losses to end the season would probably see us in the shield winning position and then drop it in the last two weeks. I you say think... you don't want it now, but come October 5th, you'll have wanted that shield. No, that those two losses <laughs> will make the team hungry outcome. in MLS Cup playoffs. <laughs> I think a very plausible outcome for the team this year is finishing close to what they did this past year but like columbus sets up sets the single season points record mm. i mean that would just be like we're looking if you're looking at more ways that they can just completely and thoroughly own us and drive a stake through our heart like that would be another one setting the points record the next year yeah that would that would be great yeah <laughs> i'd like they're to go- think they're gonna be really good this year they're not losing anyone and they're adding talent they just signed a a scud a stud goalkeeper from some small Concacaf nation, Guatemala. Guatemala. Yeah, he was considered I don't know if he's a stud. He was playing in Israel, but looks like a reasonable backup. Uh, I view him like Eloy Room, where Room was like the best goalkeeper at the one of the Gold Cups for Curacao, and he was mm-hmm. a very good keeper for Columbus. This feels like the exact same kind of move. Um, um but- yeah. Eli Room played for PSV. This guy played for Israel. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so did Kenny Saif, right? So, yeah, if he's, true. a lot of people CBs call days. him the Kenny Saif of uh, goalkeepers. Uh, uh, but Columbus last... does have a winger. They have like a three point two million dollar winger coming in. Who? Cool. I don't know if that's a Tam or a young DP. Um, but I know that Love they that. signed. I know they signed Nagby to a non-DP deal. So they have an open DP spot unless they've already got a guy in that. Cool. Uh, I looked him up. Uh, Kenny Saif is at Maccabi Haifa, which I believe is like one of the biggest clubs in Israel. Yeah, yeah. That was Deco Kynan's old club, wasn't it? Probably. Sounds right. Yeah. Deco Kynan, now. Uh, head coach in a lower level uh, team in LA. Yeah, that's right. LA, not LA Force. Maybe one one of those small uh, teams. One of the teams you might want to root for in the Open Cup. Dare I say? <laughs> uh, so there you go, guys. We're, we're going to be in the Shield uh, hunt late into this season against our will here. Um, I will say, at least in terms of teams we drew from the West, not bad. I think St. Louis regresses to the mean, and LAFC is good. That's fine. But the rest of them, San Jose, Minnesota, eh, not scared. That's fine. Um, 
I saw one chart out there comparing uh, teams, whether or not they got an easy or hard schedule overall, since this league continues to make weird, unbalanced schedules with absolutely no rhyme or reason. Can you talk uh, about that for a second? Please, the, the, let's. The easy, and, the easy and hard schedule thing. Yeah, yeah. Somebody said, like, Atlanta had a hard schedule. Well, yeah, the East was better. Right. So, so if you're in the East, you have a harder schedule than somebody in the West because you're playing all the teams in the East. Right. Um, but also, <laughs> there's so there's so much parity in the league. Like, you don't really know who, like, all the teams that played us this year. Before the year, if you use the previous years, we were like a middle of the pack playoff team. Right. And then the year before that, we were <laughs> wooden <Sucked>. spoon. <laughs> Right, right. So, like, I don't know. I don't. I don't know that. Like, I don't know that. Like, uh, given all the comings and goings and all the coaching changes and the facts that you know Miami is rated as like a shit team from last year. Right, right. Like, they're gonna look a bit different to start the year. You wouldn't know. expect like, them. Like, yeah. Do you, do people really think? Do people really think that they can accurately evaluate like? who has a tough schedule and who has an easy schedule. Yeah. So, I mean, like we could, I mean, yeah, we could I go, think we could, LAFC. yeah, we could become yeah. an easy option real quick. If we strike out on trying to sign miles Robinson and a couple other guys that we've heard as targets, like if Albright misses right. out on parts of his shopping list, this team could very easily be a team that is struggling to find playoff contention. I don't yeah. think Albright's going to, going to miss like that, but the possibility exists. There are a lot of holes to fill in this team. Yeah, right. And in MLS, but, you have such a there is there is such a difference too between when you get teams because yes. teams are deep, and then teams have designated players that are huge um, swings in team quality. So, yeah. like getting us last year or in twenty two before signing Obi and before signing Miazga is a very different team than getting us late in the year, right? Um, a lot of teams make a lot of their changes in the summer window. So, yeah. Um, you know, getting those teams late in the season, that's a different team than you played at the beginning of the season. Yeah. So I, I did pull up the chart uh, and it does appear that they only were looking at games outside of their in-conference Game so your cross conference okay. opponents, but they did compare them. They basically used their mean twenty twenty three non penalty expected goal difference per ninety is the metric. But yes, everything else. Oh you well, just that, said, that changes my. Now that I heard they used the mean uh, expected goal <laughs> per ninety, uh, <laughs> Eloy Pakoda. Um, I, uh, I, uh, 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 change, change my tune. Yeah. You stand, you stand behind it. Well, I only brought it up to say that we were almost dead center. So for whatever that metric was worth, we, we, we gained no benefit. We, we are playing at no disadvantage. So, um, there we are. Damn. That's too many points, right? There's no yeah. way we're getting close to 68. No, I don't think so. I think I feel like so. What what do we have last year? What won the shield last year? We had 69. 69. Yeah, it just feels like if I'm handicapping it for this year, I feel like we're gonna fall somewhere in like the 56 to 55 range for points. That feels a little more right. 
yeah. to me. I don't know. I just until I see what the final roster looks like, I just I feel like we'll see. I don't know. No. At this time last year, we didn't anticipate Yerson Mascara and Santiago Arias would be big time contributors. So, you know, you you get two performances like that out of signings that Albright makes. You add in a Miles Robinson. Yeah, things start to look a lot better. But yeah, the so other- then I'm a, I'm assuming that we get, you know, we get Arias back on a cheaper deal. We sign Miles Robinson. Um, we get a free agent left back like Diego Palacios. We do the um, sales of Barry Allen Vasquez, get the gam. Um, we bring in either a free agent forward like uh, Danny Masofsky or Corey Baird. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't know, screw it. Let's, we're also bringing in Ali Bedoya to play the to play in the midfield. So, the Yu Yakubo role, <laughs> just utility you know, backup guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know. No, I mean, there's certainly a path there, uh, and we obviously don't know what the final roster is, but I think we all can agree that we stand by these no matter how the rest of the season shakes out. So. And if there's any, if last year's anything yep. to go by, we grossly underpredicted. So, points record. Yeah. Hell yeah! Now we're talking eighty-five <laughs> points. Let's go. <laughs> I don't want to win the Shield again next year, though. I'm we're focused on MLS Cup. I feel like Shield is a distraction to the real goal. I don't uh, want to win the Shield if we don't win anything else. Yes. Okay. I'll, yeah. I'll stick by that. Yeah, it's like I don't want us. The shield is not a target unless all of the other targets are gone, right? Right. Uh, so then I want to go. Once we lose an MLS Cup next year, I want to retroactively go back and win the shield. Right. Yeah. Then we're good. Then we're good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> um. Yeah. There we go. Uh, with this here, let me ask you guys this: Given everything that happened this week with the Open Cup, we're now looking at this season. We are, I was going to say we're, we are the number one cheerleaders of the League's Cup around these parts. Where does the League's Cup stand for you right now for 2024 as a priority? Do you still put it over the Shield and do you put it over the Open Cup? I think the League's Cup is bottom of the list, honestly. The only one I would put below it is... CONCACAF Champions League, and that's just because I don't think we have a realistic chance of winning based on where our roster is going to be at the start of the year. But League's Cup to me is you want to advance far enough in the League's Cup that you don't have a massive break in your schedule. And once you do that, I think whatever happens, happens in the League's Cup. It's a cash grab tournament. And the problem is, too, is that my like of the League's Cup last year was also predicated on the idea that they would use the revenue to open up more spending, and they didn't do that. So now, fuck the League's Cup. What's it good for? <laughs> right. Ah, uh, well. Uh, we'll always have that preview episode. So <laughs> it's a fun tournament. It's just not priority for me. Yeah. Um, but it's you know it's a nice payday for the players if they do well. Yeah. 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 Pay the players. I would say like Open Cup. Could be better with a couple of tweaks here and there. Uh, well, there we have it. There's the season. You don't even need to watch anymore. We just saved everybody like a hundred bucks on uh, MLS season pass. So, Take you know that, how that's going to go. Apple. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, we're not allowed to describe the games without written permission from the league, but we can precog them. Uh, so following this, well, it is the Christmas episode. So we're going to talk about something cold adjacent. <laughs> the Mighty Ducks in part two. We're bringing the film room back. Uh, let's go. All right, we are back again. Christmas episode, holiday episode. I don't want to get killed by the PC police here. Uh, and we are talking the Mighty Ducks in the film room. We gave everybody a warning on the last episode. This was your chance to watch these movies. And I, I think we all agree. We, we, while we appreciate the animated series, while we understand and stand by, we stand back and stand by with, uh, Emilio Estevez on the TV show. We're we're strictly talking the 390s theatrical releases of The Mighty Ducks D2 and D3. Correct. The canon. The canon, yes. This is not the uh <laughs> we don't have to go into Christian mysticism. Um Chief, where do you want to start with this? Where do you want to go? Do you want to look big picture? Do we is there a specific point in these films that you want to draw out? Is there an overarching theme or narrative we want to so we want to dwell I'm on? I hadn't watched these movies in a while and the vastly superior film of these is the original Mighty Ducks, the first movie. And the reason why, and I never really stopped to consider this, and I want your guys' take on this before I go any further on this. I had never stopped to appreciate that it's one of the very few kids movies that I've ever watched or even like, you know, watched as an adult where the movie is not about the kids. The kids are secondary characters in the Mighty Ducks, and the story is really about Gordon Bombay. And so, most kids' movies except for the three, except for yeah. D three, but that's except where it D3. falls apart, right? That's where it falls <laughs> apart, right? But like at its core, what makes the original Mighty Ducks, and for, for in large part D two work, is that it's a rare kids' movie that's not about the kids, like the Goonies, like quintessential kids' movie from the nineteen eighties is about the kids. The adults are the villains or the plot device in the movie. Right. In this movie, this movie is very much Gordon Bombay's personal story of overcoming childhood trauma associated <laughs> with sports that has colored the rest of his life and led him to an unfulfilled position as an adult, as an emotionally stunted adult. And it's his redemption story. The kids just happen to be the plot device that helps him. Yet somehow this is like remembered as a, a great kids movie. And it's it's different. I don't remember a lot of kids movies being like this, where the adult is the central figure in the movie. The only other one I could maybe compare it to is Hook, which has a similar idea where it's really about Peter Pan and growing up and the kids are all secondary to it. I, I mean... But it's also about... And Hook, Hook kind of, I guess, is similar, where it's about, like, how what happened to you as a kid, um, affect, you know, created who you are as an adult, and then how you have a responsibility not just to, like, overcome whatever happened to you as a kid, but also to set an example and be a guide. Mm. So that, you know, the others don't 
follow your path. So like, and I, something that struck me while watching the first Mighty Ducks again, in particular, is obviously the, the relationship between Charlie and Gordon Bombay is, is a big feature of all three of them. Um, and Charlie's like kind of the main kid. Yeah. But Adam Banks is like really the Gordon Bombay surrogate. And there's a lot of parallels between um, Gordon as a kid and Adam Banks, to even to the point where uh, Hans tells Gordon that if if Gordon was playing at that time, he would be a duck, not a hawk, because of where the where the lines and the boundaries were drawn. And Banks right. is from the same place, yeah. right? And it's like, and they make it very clear that it's a very small portion of the map yep. that was changed, which means that Banks has to be living basically in the same neighborhood as Gordon yep. Bombay. Yeah. Who's and... changing the maps? I have so many questions about like how this how this society operates. But Look, the, the, state, the state of Minnesota passed uh, redistricting reform right before the first Mighty Ducks. And there I mean, was a whole you, panel. And... If, if you're really thinking about it, the the um, the coach of the Hawks, who I consider to be one of the greatest movie villains of all time. It's just an incredible performance. It's pretty but good. They are advocating for gerrymandering. They want to have yep. their own district created. They want to gerrymander the district to make sure that they find their people inside that district. <laughs> yeah. So like when, when Gordon here, like that's the, the thing where it's like, you would be a hawk, not a duck, not a, you'd be a duck, not a hawk. Um, he like had then, he basically has a responsibility to make Adam Banks play on the ducks. Right. Otherwise, like, because that's him saving himself as a kid. From what he went through, and but even 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 the coach of the Hawks compares Banks directly to Bombay. So does Hans. Right. Hans says Hans compares him. No, you're right. It's it's the coach where he said he's like you, but he wants it more than you do. You did, yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's not, and that to Gordon is not going to be read as like necessarily a good thing, because because right. one, it's not that he didn't want it, right? It's that he wanted it too much and it was made too important to him because he says he talks about you know later in the movie how embarrassed he how ashamed he is or whatever that he um cared so much about what the other coach thought of him when he was a kid yeah you know it's not that he didn't want it it's that he let the coach down and that was in kind of an irrevocable state that he had achieved yeah, that flashback where he says, you missed this shot, kid. You're not just letting me down. You're letting the whole team down as well. Just everything that guy says is gold in this movie. Yep. And it's one of the, like, right from the start, we are establishing him as just a detestable human being. Like, this is the worst kind of sports coach. Like, a stereotype of the worst features of youth sporting, which, so that, oh, he just owns that role so yeah. much. So that that actor is he's great with like the little mannerisms, because I think about like my cousin Vinny when he's like deliver when he's doing the he plays the prosecutor and he's doing the cross examinations, yeah. And when he like punctuates points, he does like the little like thing with his hands, um, and he talks to the jury to punctuate that like an important point has been made. And in this movie, he does that collar pop. The collar pop. Like yeah. He's, yes. he's, with his jacket. Yeah. He's doing that collar pop over and over throughout the movie. And it's it's so it's so good because it's like 
like he clearly thinks it's cool right yeah <laughs> and in his little king in his little world it is like he's like the king yeah but it's all but he also looks a little ridiculous <laughs> It, he looks I, a little ridiculous, but it's also it sets him up that like he's ridiculous, but all these kids hang on every word yes. he has. It's almost like it's a cult thing, like the 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 win thing when they get started to fire up, and they all crave his approval so much. They, they even Banks when he's told that he's not allowed to be on this team any longer, he's devastated because just like Gordon was. This man is it. So it's really weird. This movie, it's not weird. It's 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 actually alarmingly well written for a kid's movie is that both the the coach Schmidt, is that his name or what's the I forget what his I name forget. is. The, Just forget evil his coach, name. Hawks coach. He is set up to, as like an evil surrogate father figure to these kids. Yes. And so. Gordon, they they make it a point early on. His dad dies when he's young, and he is craving that male acceptance and authority figure from this coach, who then just like epically shits all over him, <laughs> his feelings. And when he's at his lowest, he's like, "Nope, you're a loser, and I don't have time for losers." And so the comparison and the contrasting is that like what Gordon is doing with the Hawks is it's almost him learning how to be to Charlie Conway specifically. <laughs> Like, this is what I needed when I was your age. And with Banks, I needed this. I got this instead, and it ruined me. It, it's oh, it's it's very well done for a kid's movie. And I would yeah. say that, that if there is like an overarching theme through all three movies, and it's illustrated by, um, you know, the coach of the Hawks, how like kind of ridiculous he is, but still how the kids hang on, you know, every word. It's like how important it is as an adult even though like you're kind of wrapped up in your own thing kids are going to watch you and and look up to you and copy you and they're going to follow your lead and so you need to be um responsible enough and cognizant enough of what example you're setting you know basically at all times yeah because how because most most of the conflict are you know gordon kind of slipping or getting caught not being like totally honest with the kids or there being a misunderstanding of some of his behavior because he's not being self-aware enough of um and like in the third one even um the kids only see coach coach orion as like this hard ass. Yeah. But even early in the movie, we see him behind the scenes advocating for the kids, but they never see him do that. Right. So they only, he only lets them see one side of him probably because he thinks that's what he needs to be as an authority figure. But it's not until they actually see him as a, as an advocate that they follow him he cares about them that, that they're not just you know cogs in a they're not just you know tools for his own advancement yeah it's, it's right, just so, so funny yeah go go, go, for, it, no, go you, for it no i've talked a lot kevin your thoughts no i i love 
I love this movie. It's funny that if you like, if you tried to make this today, I think a lot of people would be upset that it was like a woke film because it is so much about Bombay dealing with his own trauma. And if you could somehow get Charlie to actually be related to him, it would be about ending generational trauma of like youth sports right like i loved i love that piece of this well, like this is really what, funny what's interesting too is that sort of where like the movie turns a little bit is charlie refusing to follow his direct orders yeah when he uh which all the way by the way um so plan a for gordon <laughs> bombay is i'm gonna try and coach these kids plan b <laughs> is to get them to flop. Yes. <laughs> and the mantra that he comes up with and he has them repeat is just a slogan for the Red Bull franchise. Like this should be in Latin on their crest. The, the slogan is take the fall at Turt. Get indignant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, let me ask you this then. Is Charlie a punk? Through all three of these movies, I can't decide if Charlie is like, does nothing wrong, this poor thing, like all of this stuff is sort of happening to him. But then like a lot of the problems feel like things that he sort of created in his own way, especially in three. But I don't I don't know how I feel about Charlie through all of this. I think. So Charlie is independent. You know, so he's a he's a contrast from from Gordon because Charlie grew up without a father figure, right? Right. Whereas Gordon father lost his he father. had was a disappointment, right? But Gordon had an incredibly close relationship to his father. Yes, and like right. one of his biggest regrets is like is like not is is focusing so much on hockey and not just the times he had with his dad. Um, yeah, but uh, Charlie is 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 independent you know, kind of does not need somebody to, or didn't believe that he like needed somebody to kind of follow around. They talk about the, you know, him wanting somebody to be around for his mom. Right. right. But not, not that he was really missing out on a father figure. And he, and even the first movie, his main interest in Gordon is like, setting him my, up with his mom yeah my mom needs right. someone like yeah my mom has right. many attractive <laughs> many features that men find attractive I'm like all right man yeah. <laughs> she, she was okay she was put together i thought she was all right i yeah that charlie charlie's arc is is funny to me and then also again going back to three which is the one i don't know if it's obvious it's the one i watched because i know the other two so three is front of mind here for me um the uh the timeline of all of this so like in my head d3 was they went to college no, but it's a, a, they were, it's, it's a prep, preparatory it's a high, academy yeah, it's a high school yeah, prep, prep school school yeah so like they went to like monbird or something fifth or sixth grade then in d1 i guess i didn't i assumed they were in high school then no in d1 they're very clearly in grade they're school middle like school. middle school yeah <sighs> Yeah, I had I had I had them middle peg, school then like junior high. Yeah, like fifth, sixth grade, maybe yeah. in D one in D one because the timeline is weird. Like I was trying to do this as I was watching D one. So like the banner says that Gordon was I think their age. It's like 10, 11 okay. when 
he missed the shot. And that would have been in 1973, I think was the year that they established on the banner. It was the 72-73 season. Mm -hmm. And then the movie, The Mighty Ducks, when did that come out? Like 92, I want to say, or 91? Yeah. So 92. So if you run the timeline, that's he's about 30, I think is where they try to put him at. He's dismissive of a younger colleague as being just out of law school. So I'm guessing that if you graduate, not saying that I know this, but saying you get out of law school at around like 24, 25, maybe, I would put him as having at least five to seven years in practice so that he can be dismissive of the person who doesn't know quite as much. So yeah, like the timeline is, I think that first movie is in middle school in the 90s. Then the next one takes place when they're in high school or... No, I think they're, I think they're 13 and D2. 13 because and D2. Because he, he asks if Dean Portman is a teenager. And the guy from the sporting company says, you know, hormones... Yeah. And so then they're in high school in D3. Also, incidentally, to back up, um, I'm going to throw this out there for the group to ask if anyone else would want to weigh in on this that might have some professional experience. Um, Is this one of the best portrayals of a lawyer ever in a film? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) No, just... Him and the him rolling out of the courtroom, only caring about the dub, immediately getting into his sports car and boozing <laughs> in the car as he's driving home. <laughs> and then driving out onto the ice. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's a, just power move after power, power move, move there. <laughs> also, not for nothing. He says his record is 30 and 0. That's really not a lot of trials. <laughs> not that I would have any experience with that once again. He, um, he picks his battles there. He, he does. He does. If you're if you don't lose cases, it means you're not really trying. So um, also other thing, how are all these games on the radio? They're peewee hockey games. Who exactly is broadcasting these? So I, I assume Minnesota likes hockey more than us, right? Like I can go that far. But like, I don't know if if we even put high school football on the radio no, here elder elder is definitely on the radio don't kid okay, yourself okay yeah. okay yeah. but these appear to be as far as i can tell virtually rec teams like if they're so, assigned by geography and not by tryouts or hans hans seems to have like some type of monopoly on sporting goods in the area <laughs> yes it is and cabin, his preferred yeah. way his preferred way of taking in the games is via radio so maybe it's something that he set up, you know, with his authority. And yeah, because you remember, this was 1990. It's not like they were streaming the games over the internet. They actually had to get someone with a radio station to put these games on the air. Yeah. I just, you could do cable access, right? Or public access type thing. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I do I, like, I, yeah. No, I just... It, Hans is a great character too. Yes, like that's all these where I movies, was going. I love Hans. All these movies have to have like an Obi-Wan Kenobi or like a mentor type figure. And I always love movies where it turns out that like it was a child spending a lot of time with an adult that's not related to him. And like they yeah. make a point of saying that like you used to come into my shop late at night and watch me grind skates. And now, you can't say that to a child. <laughs> no. Okay, so here's here's a here's something from the first one I want to ask about. Please. Um, in in the game where Fulton has to make the shot to win, you know, where he's like one out of one, one out yeah. of five. Um, was that no? Wait, he says like, but coach, that's one out of one. You know, um, <laughs> uh, uh, guy Germain says you know soft hands 
concentration, not strength. And then he winks at Connie. What's up with that? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe she's just a big karate kid fan. Yeah. 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 (laughs) There's there's a couple of moments in these films that that brush up against some sort of line there. It was Uh, weird. I did recall when I watched these movies as a kid, because I went to see this movie in theaters because I'm old as dirt. I was confused as to how they had girls on the team because none of the sports I played, there were not going to wade into that now, but none of the sports (laughs) I played as a kid were their mixed gender sports. And I don't know. Seemed kind of cool. Yeah, damn, another point in the woke column for having gender-neutral hockey teams for the youth leagues here. But it was just their team. <laughs> it really yeah, was any, just yeah, their team, girls, wasn't it? Yeah. Was there a girl on the Iceland team? No, they had a trainer. They had the trainer. I thought they had a player. No. Damn. Uh, the Iceland team is the uh, the punchline of my favorite Aziz Ansari stand-up joke where he says something about like the, uh, I'm imagining the most random Disney villain of all time. And he says the Iceland youth <laughs> hockey team from D2 the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> and um, yeah, Iceland. I don't know. I, did, I wasn't very familiar with the world as a small child when I first watched this film. You get a very different impression of Iceland through the Mighty Ducks movies than literally any other form of media. I'm, con- I'm convinced the only reason they said Iceland is just because it has ice in the name. That's way more like, oh, Iceland. They must all play hockey. Yeah. It's like, if you're um, really going to make this, it would be the Soviets still, I think, in 1991. 92, I think we would have we would have already missed them. Okay, so Russia. Um, I think that they did. Didn't they have like some type of like freedom coalition or something at the 92 Olympics where it was like, it wasn't the Soviet Union or Russia, but it was like. The Soviet states as a whole it was like, entity. It was like, it was like the, uh, I forget what it was called, but they had some, they had some like special designation for how the Soviet states competed. I'm sorry. Um, I was only watching, I was only watching the goodwill games in the (laughs) nineties. Deep cut. Ted Turner. Uh, Respect. 1994 at the very least, Russia entered the winter Olympics as Russia itself and won the medal count. Uh, They might have entered, but I'm not seeing it on the medal table that I'm looking at. Damn, yeah. Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan entered separately, at least on this list. So, uh, 94 is when D2 came out. So, we might have. It's called the Unified Team, the 1992 Summer Olympics. Ah, okay. It was 12 of the 15 um, former Soviet republics. But I think that they did not compete with Russia. Ooh, that makes sense. Yeah. No, Russia was included. In the unified oh. team. Oh, okay. <laughs> Who would have been separate then? Poland and Finland? Poland Ukraine. was not a Soviet uh, state. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So Ukraine was part of the unified Coalition. team. Damn. See? Look, Vladimir's right. They have historically been part. Oh, it was <laughs> the it was the Baltic republics that, ah. that competed separately. Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania. There it is. 
hey, geographically, I had them surrounded. Um, can I also can I also say about the first movie that please. it was fun fun to give a shout out to the Minnesota North Stars. I always love seeing a defunct sports team portrayed on film. Uh, plays a huge role in number three, and I don't think the NHL would have been thrilled with this inclusion. And I wonder if uh, this impacted their involvement at all. Uh, the uh, the coach of D three in D three. He was uh, he played for the uh, the North Stars, and then when the team was relocated, uh, he refused to go with them to take care of his paraplegic daughter. Just like a big fucking point that he did that, and I don't know, it doesn't look good for the NHL fit. I also this love player that, like, wouldn't go. <laughs> I also love too when they go visit the North Stars, and like they all remembered Gordon Bombay from Pee Wee Hockey. <laughs> <laughs> so the only other thing I wanted to mention um was uh uh in the in the in d2 right they're wearing the team usa jerseys the whole time yeah and they complain about the team usa jerseys having like being like too commercial because they have sponsors on them and then in the third period they come out with a logo from disney (laughs) they they replace the united states jerseys because they're too commercial with like the lo- a logo from one of the largest multinational corporations in the world, which I just, I find that interesting. <laughs> does, does Disney exist in the, the mighty ducks cinematic? Well, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a Disney logo. I think that was the actual logo of the Anaheim ducks that they used. Right. In the first right, logo yeah. they had. Yeah. But Disney owned the Anaheim Ducks when they yes. were created. So <laughs> And I believe they were created basic or like the Mighty Ducks movie was basically like the to soft set the stage for the Ducks hockey team. Yeah. yeah. It was uh it's a co-branding movement for the uh yeah. for the Walt Disney company. What's funny about uh, it too is though is that like it's hard to overstate if you weren't alive when this movie came out. This all of a sudden made playing hockey really cool. And playing hockey was phenomenally expensive. And yes. <laughs> I remember going to my mom and dad and saying, I'd really like to learn how to play hockey. And they were like, the hell you are. Because my dad had played <laughs> hockey growing up in Jersey and he knew every dime that it cost to play the sport. And he's like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you don't live in a northern state where you can't expect frozen ponds to be around like if you're in cincinnati ohio it's it's even more expensive to to be a recreational hockey player let alone somebody who's gonna get any good at it right so great grayson you gotta go do you have any last words people before you leave yeah please um a merry christmas wish or a happy holidays wish to the 12 listeners oh yeah I do want to give a, a, a hearty um, ha- happy holidays to all of the 12, uh, 13 listeners. Um, and I do want to bring up one just other thing about the Ducks movies is that um, uh, J- Jesse Smollett is in the first one as one of the twins and uh, one of the Hall brothers. Yeah. And um, he disappears in the second one with... Uh, uh, absolutely no explanation. And I, I wonder, think, you know, what, did, what did they know? <laughs> I can think of a couple explanations he'd give. On that Damn. note, Grayson, God be with you. See you guys. 
That's Grayson signing off. Kevin, is it time for us to do our sign off as well? Have we have we thoroughly covered the Mighty Ducks franchise? Probably not. I could probably discuss this mo- these movies for another hour. But. Yeah, we could go. Uh, again, D3, love when the uh, the second Bash brother shows up in the locker room with his scholarship, getting the gang back together. Yeah. It's a good it's a good We're pop in the this. moment. It's just so good. Yeah. Um, there were, they, they, these movies yeah. these movies are more well made than they had any right to be. Like just yes. little things. Yes. Like we established that Goldberg is moving back to Philly. And so every shirt that he wears through the entire first movie is something Philly. He's wearing like a Geno's cheesesteak <laughs> shirt at one sweatshirt at one point. It's like that's a detail you just don't need to include. But it's fun. It's there. It's neat. Yeah, it's they are really well done. They're well made. They hold up. And shocking, especially especially D1 one. and D2. Yeah, 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 yeah. D1 really holds up. It's a because, again, it's it's a movie about a guy coming to grips with what he dealt with as a kid and yeah. the kids are just sort of there to help him along the way. And you're right. It is like the fact that it's the adult is the point of the film is unusual for a children's movie, but then the kids themselves are hilarious. Like it's a really good cast of characters yeah, the that kids, they have for the, the whole kids thing. are great. And like, what's really great about it is that like shockingly for a kid's film, most of the problems that Gordon Bombay goes through are very adult problems that are very not relatable <laughs> to kids. Like, I love this movie as a kid, but like within the first couple minutes of the movie, Gordon is is an unethical scumbag of a lawyer. He gets popped for DUI, is sentenced to community service, has his boss like basically threatening his job at one point for not like bowing down. And, and the idea that like, oh, he's going to quit his job because he believes in this so much. <laughs> they're all adult problems like childhood trauma adult problem <laughs> right it is it is good have been uh in d2 where he gets like caught up in his own success and is going to launch his own line of coaching sneakers or whatever right. it's like yeah if, i don't know if you're like eight or nine years old watching this movie you have no clue what is happening no but it's good. The kids are never the kids never get an, become annoying kids. They're funny. Yes. There's only a couple of moments where it gets like, ah, oh, this is kind of this is kind of cheese dick. But like for the most part, they keep the kids under control. Just well done. Yeah. I just I yeah. just I was this is a great movie to watch at the holidays because there's snow on the ground. It has nothing to do with Christmas whatsoever, but it looks cold. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, there's like Christmas lights, I think. In yeah. A couple like the of winter, scenes. They go to the winter castle or whatever. Yeah, the fuck that's that. it. yeah. Yeah. So there you go. That's that's the, the Christmas film room for everybody. Uh, let's are we see, revealing Chief. what our, are we revealing what our next movie is going to be? Because I think we decided that already. We did decide it. I don't know exactly when the next film room will be probably next week. But Chief, do us the honors here. Uh, so if you want to get started uh, early and watch the film, we've decided that the next uh, movie in the film room, classic mid-90s action movie, Last Action Hero, starring one Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, there was 30 minutes of discussion about this movie we cut from the Away Days <laughs> video, and we're going to go back and we're going to actually watch this. And one of my favorite underrated movies of all time. I'm very excited for this. Oh, that'll be a a really, really good one. And yeah, it's just like classic cheesy action film. It'll be good. It'll be good. Nothing to do with New Year's, but you know. No. (laughs) Or Christmas. We don't need a a New Year's tie-in. No. no. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I I, I guess I'll say thank you to everybody for listening. 
to to the show. I don't. I feel like we don't do that enough. But thank you. This is it's so stupid how many people actually listen to this thing. So we uh, we appreciate all twelve of you. And um, yeah, looking looking forward to next year for bigger and better things. So yeah, love you guys, Buck Columbus. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cincy Postcast, which is a production of The Post Cincy. You can check us out at thepostcincy.com for all of our written content, as well as links to our social media. You can follow us on Twitter, and as well, you can join us on our Discord server. You can find links to that server both in this episode description as well as on our website. That is where most of our conversations are going on. We have a lovely community there talking about FC Cincinnati, MLS, anything and everything else and everything in between. We also want to give a huge thanks to Jim Trace and the Makers for providing all of the music you've heard throughout this episode. They're an amazing local Cincinnati band. Again, more information about them is in the description of this episode. And if you enjoyed what you listened to, and you've made it to the end, so I'm going to assume you liked it, or you just can't reach your stop button, please like us, review us, subscribe to us, wherever you are getting your podcasts, that is going to be really, really helpful. But more importantly, share this with a friend. A personal recommendation helps sped a podcast so much further. So please share this if you know somebody in your life who's an FC Cincinnati fan, an MLS fan, somebody that you think would enjoy this, pass it on over. Thank you so, so much again for listening. It blows me away that people continue to listen to us. And thank you so, so much again.